0: Hey guys, it's Sean O'Connell, co-host of the Real Blind Podcast, here to introduce another bonus episode that we are bringing to you guys because we got a really cool interview opportunity. Uh, you guys know that we like to showcase up-and-coming directors, and we got a chance to sit down uh, with Ben Chirac, who has a movie called Limbo that's coming to theaters. Uh, it'll be opening on April 30th. This one landed on our radar uh, because Focus Features picked it up, and it has two BAFTA nominations uh, and was a dry sort of offbeat comedy, so we definitely wanted to check it out and talk to Ben about his approach to filmmaking. Uh, Once we got a chance to see the film, we were really intrigued by a lot of things in terms of like his decision to use different aspect ratios, uh, his approach to comedy, the way that he kind of edited his film uh, to look for comedic elements. And of course, getting into major film festivals uh, like Cannes and Toronto and then having to endure uh, not going to them because of a pandemic. So I think this is a really great conversation you guys should enjoy. This is Ben Chirac, the director of Limbo hey ben how are you hi good good how are you i'm good thanks so much for taking the time i really appreciate good, it how's the day good. going so far pretty good
1: good yeah good, good good lots of in lots of interviews it's and it's where i'm in edinburgh so it's kind of it's it's later here but i feel like i know
0: I feel like i know beautiful scotland after watching your film uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i really feel
0: like i got a sense of it so uh we will launch right into the interview this will i'll throw it to it as part of the um as part of the podcast, and so we'll launch right into it. So cool. um in your movie, the refugees play a very fun game, which I got a kick out of, which is uh I used to. And so I would like you to now fill in the second half of that sentence, having now directed your uh first feature, uh written and directed your first feature film. I used to what?
1: Oh wow, okay. Um oh. Oh no. Um <laughs> It's hard when you're doing to, it's it, isn't hard, it. It's hard, it's hard. I used to speak quite good Arabic and now I don't. And now you don't, what happened? Yeah, I lost it, lost it. Just too many years not using it. And you know, it's like languages, they just go, you know, you work so hard to learn a language and then if you don't use it, it just goes.
0: Can you tell me why you were using it in the first place?
1: Well, so before I went into filmmaking, I studied Arabic and politics and that was kind of my Root into to filmmaking and, um, you know, really connected to making this film as well, because as part of that, I spent um, time living in Syria, um, studying at Damascus University just before the Civil War started. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, and then from that, I kind of I, I ended up specializing in Middle Eastern cinema on the sort of film theory side of things and then, you know, realized that I wanted to be a film director and then, uh, and then went on to you know film school after after that.
0: See Ben, I hope you get back into the language side of it now. I hope that in <laughs> your free time you start to pick it back up again.
1: Yeah, I got um, to use some of it in Limbo, which was good.
0: I would love for you to elaborate on um, some of your comedic influences and how they uh, shaped you as you were not just writing this screenplay, um, but also as you were directing it.
1: I think it's it's um i mean it goes back again I can't, it actually goes back to that so final year of of my arabic and politics studies when i came across when i was studying middle eastern cinema i came across two films in quite sick, quick succession which were the band's uh visit by Aaron collarin and, and the time that remains by elia suleiman and those were really the two films that kind of made me want to be a film director. And I think what stood out to me was that their use of kind of humor and absurd and particularly kind of absurdist humor, but when dealing with quite kind of uh, serious subject matter. Um, And I just, I just, it just kind of blew me away and kind of changed, you know, their filmmaking changed my understanding of, of what cinema could be. Um, and then I followed that up and and I think since then, but I also felt that it was something that was sort of within me. It was like, I understood that humor. I understood that that way of making films. It was kind of the way that I would see scenes when I would write them or that, that would be the sort of humor that would naturally come out in my writing, right. not necessarily kind of verbally, but when I'm kind of imagining um, things in that way. Um, so yeah, I would say those two were kind of big, big, big influences to me early on.
0: Well, to that end, um, the humor in your film, it's not like set up, set up punchline, you know, uh, unless it's visual, there are some visual punchlines that actually happen yeah. in it. So what did the film teach you about, um, editing for comedy and how to get a good laugh out of, uh, the pacing of a scene?
1: I think it's, uh, it's a good question. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of, you know, it's interesting because it's also it's a, it's a very particular type of comedy. It's a very particular type of, of humor, and it has this sort of obviously that's kind of a, this absurdist element to it and, and the kind of dead pan humor, and it's quite observational. Um, but it's also kind of not necessarily hitting it. I mean, maybe it's where the kind of the word, I guess, offbeat comes from, in that mm. you're deliberately trying to be offbeat. You're not kind of hitting those the expected comedy marks and that was kind of you know interesting to kind of explore that as well is that you're sort of not you're you're positioning the audience in a way that they're they're engaging with the film in a different way that you're not landing the joke when they're expecting it to you're maybe pushing it a little bit further or making it a little bit longer because that's also tying into the characters on screen and their experience of being in limbo
0: Well, yeah, sure. And not to, not to drill down on this, but I think it's really important to the atmosphere of the film. Um, How is that coaching your actors to get it? Did they get it pretty early on or was it something you really worked on, on like day of?
1: We, I mean, we, so we had a really good rehearsal period and, you know, we had also a really thorough audition process before that. So even from the point of the auditions, we were kind of, you know, putting the, the, the actors through their paces and even, you know, with, with the character of Farhad, for example, you know, he went. Fikash went through quite a lot of rounds of auditions, and actually, in a, in a sort of later stage, we brought him in to do a half-hour improvised interview in character. Oh wow! Um, to you know, to, <laughs> and he, you know, to really sort of like. So, and I think that that's part of that style of performance as well, is that the actors really have to own that style of performance, that it's not something that feels like they're performing. They have to really be that kind of deadpan or be, you know, deliver um, dialogue in, in, in that kind of way and and that being sort of becoming part of them. Um, so, yeah, but we, you know, we had a really good rehearsal process um, and we, you know, we worked we worked very closely we kind of built a really relationships of trust with, with the actors and we we were then you know on a remote Scottish island for six weeks shooting so fortunately we all got on really well and it was just a really sort of open collaborative relationship where we were all working towards the same the same vision uh with them really understanding what you know I was trying to achieve as as, as the writer and the director.
0: Mm-hmm. that's awesome i hope you always get that type of rehearsal period because i think it's <laughs> it's super important and not always afford so that's that's great that you got it um i want to geek out a bit about aspect ratio choices um i think i think you're using a one three three to one it's it's becoming a very popular format recently robin wright used something very similar to it uh obviously Zack snyder is getting a ton of attention for doing justice <laughs> league that way why yeah. did it work for limbo why did you choose it for your film
1: yeah there's there's two reasons and and it's also kind of related to sort of how that the, the aspect ratio opens out as well and and you know kind of when we're thinking about the cinematic language of the film it's always thinking about that from the point of view of of omar but also thinking about it from the audience's perspective it's how the audience are seeing the characters and experiencing the characters experience on screen so the Academy aspect ratio to have that that part of the reasoning for that was to create the feeling of um, Omar and and the other characters being trapped on the island, this feeling of the sort of frame closing in on them and that kind of feeling of claustrophobia. Mm. Um, But then also it's about how we as the audience are seeing the the refugees. So we're deliberately um, framing the, the floor and the ceiling in shot and it's in the academy aspect ratio. So we're literally putting the refugee characters in a box and that's sort of how we as the audience are looking at refugees. We're constantly putting in them in, the bo- in this box, which is this sort of process of othering.
2: This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show.
0: That's a fascinating way to approach it too, because personally I thought it was an experience or a choice just to be able to capture as much of the countryside As you could, because I honestly think that Scotland and the landscapes itself that the characters find themselves in is as much of a character as just about anybody else that you wrote as well, too. And the aspect uh, allows it to sort of get that point. And there are a lot of times, too, where you chose to really pull back pretty far and to show your characters um, almost getting lost in the atmosphere that they're in. And so I just wanted to ask you personally, like what do you consider or what, what do you want your camera to be uh, in the types of films that you choose? What what is your relationship with the camera and where, where it is in the action where you place it? It's
1: a good question. I mean, I kind of see, I, I kind of, the way that I think about it, I actually, the way that I thought about it more with Limbo was how, how we're kind of, how we're perceiving the characters on screen and how we're we're seeing them through the frame so i in that sense it's almost like the the it's almost like the the camera and the way that it's lens is it's 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 how we're positioning the the, the audience how we're allowing the audience to see the characters and experience what they're going through and and really sort of carefully piecing that together so, you know that's kind of from these wide, you know, these wide shots, and we're, by having these kind of wide shots, and Omar marginalized in the frame or, or very small in the frame, we're creating, we're seeing Omar as being isolated and uh, alienated and alone on this island, or marginalized. Um, But we're also understanding that that's how he's feeling. So we're seeing it, and we understand that that's what. Omar is going through at that point, or and but that's sort of in small building blocks. So when we keep on doing that throughout the course of the film, that's sort of building that understanding through the cinematic language and through the you know, through the composition of what Omar's kind of journey is. So then as well, we're going from these wides to these close-up shots, which are right. on wide lenses, and that means that we're actually shooting you know, centimeters, sometimes the, the actor's faces were in the matte box of the camera. Right. So to go from a wide to that close where we're, and, and then also to position the camera where the, the actor's eye line is just, it's almost at, at the lens, it's just beyond the the, the matte box. They're looking at the corner of the matte box. Right. So we're looking at them in portrait and we're kind of building that direct sort of connection between the audience and the, um, and, and the, the, the characters on screen. Um, and then that playing with that kind of distance and closeness, um, which is kind of again, yeah, the sort of using the island, the outside, and then using the interiors for the more intimate scenes in, in, in a different way.
0: No, it's incredibly effective, and uh, we're a geeky po- we're a geeky podcast. If, if you can't tell, we <laughs> like to get into the, the nuts and bolts of the filmmaking process. Like to that end, when you were doing exteriors, I, I kind of love that you leaned into the fact that like hey, if the wind is whipping, you know, you might be leaning forward to kind of catch what the people are talking about. And you weren't <laughs> trying to create, like, you're not on the sound stage, you know, you're really leaning into the fact that the the island is uh, is an element that that's just as uh, important to the story.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was also, you know, and it was extremely challenging to shoot there as well. It was, you know, it was it was, it was, it was really, we were battling against the elements and uh, the weather and, on the island constantly. So it was... It was a huge challenge, um, but yeah, I, you know, to actually make this film on a remote Scottish island, right, you know, it's, it's, and we're the first film to ever shoot on this island as well. Oh, and no maybe kidding. We, maybe we'll be the last, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I, was it deliberate that the hardest characters to understand were essentially the native characters? Whenever anybody was speeding, speaking in thick Scottish accents, yeah. those are the yeah. ones where I was like, wait, what did he just say? What did they just say? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's also. I think that that was one of those things that was that little bit of kind of like magic that happens as well, where you realize that that actually says something, where mm-hmm. that you know they're the they the other the, the other as well, like they're other you know they're other the <laughs> other in relation to Omar and also in right. relation to you know global you know global audiences too, and that you know so um, yeah, it was it was in the beginning it was like we just, we want to make it true to Scotland. You know, we want them to have the, 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 the real, you know, Scott, Scottish accents. And, um, and then, uh, and then in the end, yeah, it sort of became something else, which is actually really nice. <laughs>
0: ben, I'm curious, is is there, uh, is there dialogue, is there slang all on the page or did you allow some of the actors to throw things in as they went?
1: It is on the page. It's on the page. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm from Edinburgh. So I've kind of, although, you know, like it, there's a lot of different, like, slang depending on where you're from in 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 Scotland um so it's kind of different from Edinburgh to Glasgow or from you know out to the to the Hebrides where where we shot okay um but most of it I would say most of it was on the page I'll give the actors some credit maybe they threw (laughs) some stuff in there
0: (laughs) very gracious very gracious of you (laughs) I can't imagine when you started this process that you um would have dreamed that you'd be up for the BAFTAs. Uh, what was that day like, the nomination coming in? How did that feel?
1: Oh, it was incredible. It was amazing. I mean, I couldn't watch it, actually. I, I sort of, <laughs> they they did the, the live stream where they made, the, they, they announced the nominations, and I actually couldn't face watching it because it was just too sort of nerve-wracking because I think we've also been on quite a long road with this film because of the pandemic, and mm. you kind of have these ups and downs and, like, I, you know it was like we got you know when you first you get your premier you know we got the can selection and that for me was this huge moment and it was almost like the the, the tension building up to that and it was sort of it was a similar thing with the BAFTAs where you're just so tense because you want the nomination so so badly but you get, so I, I yeah I actually took the dog out for a walk um, and listened to a podcast on fitness to take my mind off it <laughs> uh, and then I just waited for my wife who's also the producer of the film to 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 call me to let you know, let let me know if we we got the nominations or not
0: that's funny that you mentioned that too about like can and and tiff you know these places where in a normal world you'd have been able to go and watch it with a festival audience It's a little bit bittersweet that, that it happened at this time when when the film couldn't enjoy that run.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, you know, Can and Tiff, you know, they are huge ambitions for 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 me as a as a filmmaker to to have the film at those festivals. So, to get in is this kind of incredible thing, um, and you know, such an honor. Uh, but then to not go and kind of experience it and experience the you know the red carpet and, and watch the film of the audiences there, you know, is de- you know is definitely definitely bittersweet. That's okay. Something
0: else to aspire to with the next one, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll get you out of here in this last one. One of the things I loved about the film too is the way that it weaves pop culture references in, um, but they're not pop culture references in the way that they'll date the film. Uh, they're timeless. You, you know, you mentioned Jerry Maguire and uh, roles like that, and of course, uh, the Ross and Rachel on a break debate. Why is that debate? Why is that topic so, uh, why does it strike such a chord with people of our generation? We love talking about that
1: that story arc on Friends. I think, you know, I think it's the, it's the thing that is it just, it's so multi-generational, right? Like I think that, you know, I have cousins that are 16, 16 and 18 and they have watched all of Friends and like, you know, they know everything about it. And it's like, you know, I was watching Friends when I was, 16 to 18, or I think, and yeah, so it's so it's something that's multi-generation, but also global. You know, I've travelled all over the world, and 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 everyone knows friends, and everyone knows the relationship between Ross and Rachel, and ask, you know, it just comes up in conversation. Where are they on a break? You know, I was in Syria people are talking about whether ross and rachel were on a break <laughs> hmm.
0: i can't imagine even the people who were like the showrunners on the television show at that time knew the longevity yeah. that, that that conversation would have but man i'm telling you you're like you said it's global it's everywhere at this point so, uh ben i appreciate all your time and honestly continued success with the film and uh, i can't wait to see what you do next i appreciate you joining Blind.
1: thank you so much pleasure talking to you uh- we want
0: to thank Focus Features for giving us time with Ben and of course thank Ben for stopping by the show Uh, it's an intriguing movie I definitely want you guys to check it out it reminds me a little bit of and while I'm not trying to lump his comedy into this type of style but if you like Wes Anderson uh, and the offbeat way that he delivers very dry uh, very dry comedy very dry humor that's sort of uh, visually driven and also paced in a specific way I think you're going to understand uh, why Limbo sort of checks those boxes and hit me on that level again you can look for the movie in theaters on april 30th and we should have a review on the full real blend show uh, very quickly so make sure if you're on our youtube page right now you hit subscribe and turn on your notifications and if you're listening to us where you get your podcast needs met make sure that you follow along for real blend for the latest content from the show everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day